0: Hello, welcome to Locked on Sharks, the premier hockey podcast of your favorite tanking team in the Bay Area. On today's episode, we profile uh, Dalibor Dvorsky with Tony Ferrari, Uh, so we get to learn more about Dvorsky, kind of a guy who, Philip B. said, who can shoot better is the comp that I've heard. So um, all that and more on today's episode of Locked on Sharks. Your Locked On Sharks, your daily podcast on the San Jose Sharks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, J.D. Young, contributor at San Jose Hockey Now. I want to thank you for making Locked on Sharks your first listen. We're free and available wherever you get podcasts. And, of course, you can watch this on YouTube as well. And Tony Ferrari joins to talk about uh, Dvorsky so we get to know a- – a lot more about Dvorsky, kind of what his skills are, what his strengths, his weaknesses, uh, where he kind of fits in the timeline uh, of becoming an NHL player. Uh, before we get into all that with our bald king, uh, I do want to let you know today's episode is brought to you guys by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash today to get started. And now we bring in everybody's favorite bald analysis tony ferrari how's it going buddy not too bad been a while glad to be back i'm trying not to burn you guys out uh so (laughs) i'm trying you know like pace you guys a little bit more this year so uh we'll see what happens when we get a little bit closer to the draft if i'm going to be bothering you a bunch more there but wanted to get you on uh bring i have an intriguing prospect here in one uh dvorsky so if you haven't if you don't know about Dalbert Dvorsky, he's is a center for Aik in the Hockey Allsvenskan. Six foot one, two hundred one pounds. He's played thirty-eight games. Um, he has six goals, eight assists, and seventy-nine shots on goal. And just a reminder of the Hockey Allsvenskan—that's the second-tier uh, uh, professional Swedish league. So you have your SHL and then your Hockey Um, Jonathan Dahlén famously uh, destroyed the Hockey Svenskin for years before coming over to San Jose for one. Goal. Glorious half a season uh, before everything fell apart for him. So, but uh, Tony, what type of player – how would you best sum up Dvorsky's game? He's an interesting player because I think a lot of people want to
1: bill him as this elite two-way guy, so really good defensively, really good offensively. And I don't quite see the offensive upside that some people see. I think he's a good shooter, and I think that's certainly – Uh, a a capability that he has and he's able to kind of get in there and be that off puck guy but he's not really going to drive play offensively he's got Mm. good hands he's got some some ability in transition but he doesn't he lacks the pace to be kind of what you look for in the nhl as a true transition guy but defensively he's smart he gets into positions for the most part i would want him to be a little bit more aggressive in the defensive end in, in looking to cut off passes and everything but Based on what I've seen this year, coming into the year, I was really high on him. and I was a guy that I I joked all year last year. He's the Dally Dope prospect for the year. But at the end of the day, the more I watch him this year, especially against the pro level, I see him as a guy that could end up being your third-line center, a guy that can be a really good off-puck shooter if you want him on your second line and move him to the wing. I don't see that top six upside if he stays in the middle. But if he's on that third line, he's a good third-line center that has – ability to shoot the puck and probably score some goals in the power play as well
0: i mean yeah you kind of look at his rankings right i mean just kind of i know we haven't gotten kind of people's finals rankings but a lot of their mid-tier rankings he's floating around that you know 9 10 11 spot for a lot of people um but it's you we were kind of talking beforehand he feels like a guy where maybe he might slip because of that lack of offense do you think going into the draft and if you're getting him in the 20s, you probably feel a lot better about it than you do uh, potentially picking him as a top 10 to 15 pick.
1: Yeah. I think that's certainly what, what the case is. I was looking at his consensus rankings here and Craig button has him at 19 smart scouting has him at 18. And I myself have him at 21. I know will scouch is a little bit lower on him as well. There are people in the industry that have him a little bit lower on their boards, but then at the same time, nine, eight, 11, you have a, got a lot of people in that kind of range as well. So He's going to be an interesting one because I think it's going to take a team really falling in love with the skill set he has. He's got size, he's got defensive ability, he plays that mature game, and he has the shot, and I think people are always just falling in love with the sh- shooters. So if a guy is able to play defense, able to be a shooter, and you can, you can project him as a center, mm-hmm. I think there's reason to believe that it wouldn't be shocking if he was at 10, 11, 12, even maybe even a little higher. With that said, I think the upside is limited because he isn't really a play driver.
0: So feels very much a uh, high floor, low ceiling type of guy.
1: Yeah, and I think that like we talk about high floor, low ceiling. Is there a world where Dvorak is a good defensive center and manages to pot thirty goals? Yeah, but I think a lot has to work out for him, he has to up the pace in his game a little bit. Like I said earlier, there's so many times where you watch a transition play. I was someone posted a highlight video of him fairly recently, and he was skating through the offense or the neutral zone. He deep two guys doing it. I don't think he took a stride in the entire time. He was just able to kind of do that at the Al Spenskin level at the NHL level. You're going to have to take strides while making those plays. And he's not really a guy that can do that yet.
0: All right. So you talk about his shot and that's kind of the thing. Everyone's falling in love with him. What makes it so special? Is it like, is he just super accurate, super hard? Is it a nice combination? Like what makes, what's kind of that project or how does it project? I guess to the NHL.
1: I think he's got a really good shot overall. He shoots from a variety of angles. I think he's a, a guy that has the toe drag, has that curling drag that we've seen from from guys at the NHL level over the last few years. His one timer is really good. I think he'd he'd be excellent access, He'd be an excellent asset on the power play at the NHL level, kind of on on the wing, being able to kind of be a shooter there. He's pretty good in tight as well. I think there's there's some goal scoring ability from in tight, and he doesn't really shy away from contact, which is nice as well. He'll go into those high danger areas when need be off the puck at times, but he's not necessarily that guy that's going to create his own shot. in, in a lot of senses. So mm-hmm. I think you're going to need a play driver with him. If you have a winger, like I'm just going to go on on uh, kind of a tangent here, but if you have a winger, like a Mitch Marner or a, or a guy that like Jack Hughes on his line, who's able to kind of be that facilitator and be the yep. guy that's driving play, then maybe you, you have a, a guy here, but if you're asking him to be the guy in the middle driving play, his goal scoring ability kind of drops off a lot. He's going to have to facilitate and and be the bumper guy and not really be the guy getting involved offensively. So I think it depends on who you're able to place him with and who you're able to play him with. But at the end of the day, I think you're going to get a really sound player, a really good defensive kind of positional guy. Is he going to be Patrice Bergeron? No, but he's going to be a sound (laughs) solid two way guy.
0: All right. Before we finish up with Tony, we talk about uh, kind of the timeline for Dvorsky, where he kind of fits the B said comparison. Um, do want to take a quick break? Talk to you guys about our friends friends over at FanDuel. Uh, it is tournament time, as you guys know. Uh, it's heating up now. It's the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because no, new customers getting no sweat first bet up to one thousand dollars as bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, super easy to use. You can bet on everything from the money line to point scores to three's drained. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. So don't miss a chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. So what do you think is, I mean, you you talk about his play drive and his lack of pace. Um, what do you think is things that he could do to kind of help? In those departments so that way he can kind of round out his game some more i think the big thing with him is th-
1: there are a few people that have com- like commentated on his skating being a little bit underwhelming and whatnot but mm. i don't think that that's necessarily the case from a technical aspect or even a power aspect in his lower body any guy that's 18 is gonna have to develop power and physically mature a little bit more but i think the big thing with him is just taking those strides i mentioned earlier that he just kind of floated through the neutral zone deep down a few guys if he's in kind of involving those crossovers a little bit more through the neutral zone. If he's getting kind of lateral a little bit more, he's very north and south a lot of the times that you see him. He has good hands. I think that's an asset for him as well. It's going to be about just kind of upping that work rate, I think, a little bit when the puck's mm-hmm. on his stick. And it's certainly a doable thing. And it's certainly something that an NHL team could look at and go, we can get that out of him. Yeah. It's just not something he's done so far
0: to this point. So it sounds like he's kind of a lot of tools, but he's still trying to figure out the toolbox part of it. It sounds like.
1: Yeah. And I think that's fair to say. And and Mm -hmm. that's always a good kind of player to draft, especially when he has that kind of IQ and and awareness defensively. Like I said, he does need to get more aggressive. He does need to be a little bit more of on uh, a pressuring on puck defender, closing the gaps off a little bit more, but for the most part, he's in position. He kind of knows where to have his stick He's not a guy that's going to necessarily be lazy back there. There's refinement needed, but he's definitely got a solid base defensively. And when you have that tool set that he talked about, that's a really intriguing player. So I see why some people have him up a little higher, especially Mm. when a lot of times for players over in Europe, you're just watching the highlights. A lot of people, they're not able to watch the full games. You see the the flashes of skill. You see him at the Holinka lighting it up. You see him doing things as, as, as a 16, 17 year old at under 18 tournaments. And you're like, wow, this could be a guy. Mm-hmm. But then there's always a guy that's on his line or you're kind of driving play for him. And he doesn't, that's not the guy that gets a lot of credit. So it, it's, he's the finisher on a lot of plays. So he's the guy that gets the, the credit and the highlights. Yep. At the end of the day, someone's usually getting
0: them there though. Makes sense. So he needs, he needs a good Batman to, for, to yes. be type of a player. So, um, He's kind of, I would kind of want to compare or see what you think of him compared to like Beasted, right? So last year, Beasted kind of a lot of, might be a third line center. He's, you know, got some filling out too, but we've seen Beasted kind of make some big strides this season. So where do you kind of, comp- how would you compare these, they're both of their games? I was actually going to make the joke that if, if you like Philip Beasted, how do you feel about Philip Beasted with a better shot?
1: Because uh, I think that's kind of a similar okay. vibe that I'm getting from, from Delbert Worski. I think beast is a little bit more agile. He's got a little bit more of that shift and shake to his game, mm-hmm. but in a lot of ways, they are a bit of a similar player. They, they both kind of play that 200 foot game. They're both smart in that aspect. I think beast is a little bit more well-rounded and able to kind of push play offensively himself and create a little bit more, mm-hmm. but Elbow, he has got that one thing that a lot of guys can't do—the ability to put the puck in the net—and there's a reason that even strength goal scoring. There's a reason that that goals are always the thing that people salivate over. And he has got that in his game.
0: All right, so I mean, yeah, <laughs> so Bista with a better shot, uh, type of thing. So um, you you mentioned kind of you know if he pans out, he could be a potential thirty point goal scorer type of guy. Um, where do you kind of picture his his uh, production? maybe like as, as his most likely scenario type of guy.
1: I think he's a guy that probably lives between 20 and 25 goals. Maybe he has that one season or two seasons that he pops up to 30. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: and then he's a guy that sits in that middle six. If he's on your second line on the wing, I think he he ups his goal scoring totals a little bit. Maybe that's the season he hits 30 or something like that. But I I think for the most part, he's probably a 25, 25 goal, 30 assist guy, 55, 60 points. I think that's kind of the range he's going to live in. And, at the end of the day, that's still a really, really good player and a valuable player on a contending
0: team. So with the Hockey House fin skin, right? I mean, we know it's the second league. Uh, how much do you have to kind of worry when you're watching him about, like like you said, right, he's just kind of gliding through, not maybe having to work as hard or not showcasing his ability as much compared because you're playing – sometimes you're just playing lesser competition, right?
1: Yeah, I think that's a big thing with him is, like I said – you see the highlights and you're like, holy yeah. crap. Like this guy can do that. Like that's special. Like th- he's surely it's a, a top 10 pick. Then you watch a full game or you watch a couple of games and you're like, Oh, there are some bad habits that have creeped in. And there's some, some goofy things that like defenders just peel off at times. And you're like, why, why would they make that decision? And then you have to kind of put into your own mind, like, ah, there's a reason that that guy's in the hockey. i skin at 27 years old. like, it's just what it is. It's a good league because it's a pro league. You're playing against guys that are bigger, stronger, yes. and oftentimes faster. But it's not the best league in the world. It's not even the SHL. Uh, so you have to kind of take it with a grain of salt. And it's not like his production has been wild or, or super, mm-hmm. super impressive. 14 points in 38 games. You mentioned six goals. It's good. Yeah. It's good against pros. It's not certainly nothing to, to kind of shy away from. But it is the Al Spenskin. If, if he's doing that at the SHL... Then you're like we have oh, a different like, conversation. Yeah, yeah, there's a different conversation there, right? So you, you kind of look at him compared to a uh, to a, a Leo Carlson who's doing it at the SHL level, putting up a little bit more production, even being a more lethal goal scorer and everything. And uh, there was times this year where people had them three th- three spots away in the in the draft, and there's times this year where I, I've seen people have them like back to back on the draft board. You probably have to put a little bit more context behind things, and, and that's kind of where Dvorsky loses ground.
0: Makes sense. So um what type so what sorry, what type of uh timeline you think it is for Dvorsky coming over? Um, you know, especially with SHL two. uh, I mean, if he's playing hockey Al Svenskin, right? I mean there's a chance he could maybe bump up to the I don't know how good his team is in the uh Al Svenskin if he potentially bumps up, but what do you think is a reasonable timeline for him to be playing in North America, you know, on an AHL team and then make an impact in the, in the NHL?
1: I think it's at least a, a, a two to three years. I mean, we look at William Eklund, who's a guy that was had an infinitely higher ceiling and just starting to make an impact in the NHL now, despite probably, yeah, despite probably should have been there a little sooner. But you got to be patient with a guy like this. You, you mm-hmm. need to let him fully develop his skill set, up that pace, bring him over to North America let him play in the AHL for a year, maybe even two, mm-hmm. develop that kind of ability in that smaller ice in the North American game, and then slowly give him taste of action. It's kind of similar to the way the Sharks are doing with Eklund. They let him play in the AHL for the most part this year. They brought him up recently towards the end of the year when the games aren't mattering as much. You don't have as much to lose. You've already traded one of your better players at the deadline.
0: You tell um, me that Columbus uh, Sharks <laughs> game didn't matter. That game was the most important game of the season. I will. <laughs> I mean, both teams were
1: very close to competing for a playoff spot. So I give you that, but no, you give them that th- those games, you give him the games at the end of the year where he yep. can kind of figure out the NHL, kind of understand that pacing and go into the summer going, oh, I got a lot of work to do. And, and then kind of put that work and come back next year and really kind of make an impact on the team.
0: All right, before we talk with Tony about some bigger draft stuff, we haven't had a chance to talk to him in a while about that. Uh, we talk about, you know, kind of the top of the draft and where the Sharks are heading. Uh, do want to take a quick break and talk to you guys about our friends over at Indeed. No matter how the last game went, anytime you take the field, you've got a shot at greatness. Give your team the best shot at winning by recruiting more MVPs with Indeed. If you're hiring, you need Indeed because Indeed is the hiring, hiring partner. We can attract, interview, and hire an all-in-one place. is the only job site where you're guaranteed to find qualified applicants that have your must-have requirements or you don't pay they have instant match with instant match as soon as your sponsor posts you get a short list of quality candidates with resumes on indeed that match your job description you can invite them to apply right away plus you only pay for quality applications that meet your must-have requirements so we make it really easy. Start hiring right now with a $75 sponsor job credit to upgrade your job posts at indeed.com slash locked on offer valid through March 31st, go to indeed.com slash locked on to claim your $75 credit before March 31st indeed.com slash locked on terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need indeed. Before we get you out of here want to talk some bigger draft stuff. It's been a while since we got to talk draft stuff with you. Um, so who, which kind of top 10 guy, as we're starting to kind of, you know, a lot of seasons are starting to wrap up. We're getting to the playoffs for a lot of different leagues. Which top 10 guy are you kind of the most worried about right now?
1: Ooh, most worried about. Mitch is always going to be a worry because you saw what he was doing at the start first half of the year mm-hmm. where he was playing with absolutely no structure and then you saw what he's done since the trade to Sochi and you almost question which one's the real Mitch I think the guy that we've seen in Sochi is the guy that we expected coming into the year. That's the guy we've seen in international tournaments. So I don't think the worry is as much. And he's kind of moved back up into what likely should have been his rightful spot, which was kind of why I always had a hard time moving him out of my top five, like some people did, but this is a guy that has all the talent in the world. If there's a top 10 guy that maybe I have a little bit of worry about, I think it's Edward Chalet, just a mm. guy that, He's very talented, he's a good player, but I worry about that upside. Similar to the way Dvorsky's kind of in that, that range of like, is he going to be a true top six guy? Is he going to be an impact top six guy? Or is he going to need someone to kind of carry the, the load for him? Is he going to need someone to carry the weight? I think Shalit kind of fits into that mold too. He's a guy that I think does a lot of the right things. He's a very smart player, but he just doesn't, he's not really able to find the payoff. And I think that's something that you, you're always concerned about. So I think he's certainly one of them. And then the one I'll kind of give you that I don't know why I have the worry, but I think I do, is Will Smith from the Mm. NGDB team. Absolutely talented player, fantastic player, a guy that tantalizes every time you watch him. Yes. But you go, is any of that going to work at the NHL level? Like the way he dips and dangles and does things, there are very few players that are able to do it at the next level. I think you look at guys like Jack Hughes that do it and you look at other guys that are on the league. And the reason they're doing it is because they're a very, very special player. I think Will Smith is a very, very good player. I think he's going to need to adapt his game. I also think he's probably going to get bumped to the wing at the next level. Can he be a center? For sure. But you're going to need a defensive insulator on that line if, if that's the case, because there's a number of times where you kind of see him float back in the offensive or defensive zone. And his sticks up in the air at his hip. Just he's kind of hanging out. Look, looking around. He's like, I'm here, technically. I went into the defensive zone. I'm not doing anything, but I'm here. So I think you, you worry about where he's going to play at the next level. The talent's undoubted, though. Like, the kid has absolute star potential all over him. Mm. Maybe the best playmaker in the draft. Is he a playmaker from the wing or is he a playmaker from center position? I think that's another thing that teams are going to have to consider.
0: Yeah, I mean Will Smith, but and it's kind of weird too, because like the US and DTP, it's that you know, like they kind of harp on players being a full two hundred foot, you know, especially like their centers being a, like developing full hundred to full two hundred foot players. Uh, but with Will Smith, they're just like, you go do your thing, right? We'll yeah, we'll cover for you, especially. But again, he's a very very talented player. He's a potential top five pick in what's going to be an extremely insane draft class this year, anyway. So especially if who knows with Mitch Koff, right? Like you could, you yeah. see Mitch Koff going going anywhere from three to 10 and you wouldn't be surprised. Uh, but yeah, yeah and, I mean, and I
1: think the one thing with, with Will Smith too, is he has Ryan Leonard on that line who is kind of that defensive insulator. Ryan mm-hmm. Leonard's defensive game doesn't get talked about a lot, but the more I kind of dive into his game, the more I really appreciate his ability to kind of adapt to the play in, in his own end and kind of be that guy that isn't necessarily going to get the turnover, but he's going to disrupt the puck, kick it off a guy's stick. And then, his defenseman picks it up or, or Will Smith picks it up high in the zone and just starts flying up the ice. And it's like the reason that play is able to happen is because Ryan Leonard made that play. So I think he's a guy that kind of gets credit there as well. And when you have that defensive insulator, especially on the wing, like Ryan Leonard is who's played center previously in his life, Mm -hmm. you're able to let Will Smith kind (laughs) of do his thing.
0: All right. uh, Get you a couple more questions. So who's the guy Five years from now, I'm still doing this dumb podcast because they can't find anybody to replace me. Um, who is the guy like in the back half of the first round that we're talking about that's like, how did he slip down here?
1: I'll give you two. One is a guy that I see in the back half of the first round a lot, and that's Gavin Brindley, a guy from the University of Michigan. doesn't get all the headlines because Adam Fantilli obviously there
0: possibly winning the O.B. Baker as a freshman. But Just Gavin Brimley's in- whatever. Oh uh, so yeah, Whatever right. Lane Hudson isn't winning, Adam Fertilli's winning it, right?
1: Man, like, <laughs> if the Sharks get him, I applaud you. I'm going to have a lot of fun watching the Sharks after that. But, no, uh, Gavin Brimley is a guy that I think does so many things well. He gets a little bit harped on because he had a slow start to the year. But coming into the year, the Michigan Wolverines had Frank Nazar in the plans, and they were like, oh, he's going to be able to do this, and then Gavin yep. Brimley will be able to slot in behind him. When Nazar went down and was hurt, they had to go, hey, Gavin Brinley, do a little bit more, Like play up in the lineup a little bit more, take on a bigger role, and he did it, and he was doing a lot of things to kind of create play, but he wasn't necessarily scoring. Mm-hmm. He went to the World Juniors, had a really good World Juniors, in my opinion, he was one of the kind of pivotal members of that United States team, and then he started scoring when he came back to Michigan. I think the second half of his year with the University of Michigan was fantastic. I think he's a guy to certainly look for in the second half of the year, because he does have that tenacity. He's a smaller guy, but he establishes body position as well as anybody in this draft class who's under six foot. He's a guy that forechecks extremely hard, uses his skill, understands which side of the puck to be on, reads opponents really, really well, and he's just a nuisance overall. So I think he's a guy to definitely keep an eye on. And the other guy I'll give you is an OHLer that I don't think has been listed in the first round a whole lot, but Nick Lardis. He's been boosting his his draft stock this year a ton since his trade from Hamilton to or, since his trade to Hamilton and he's been an absolute stud the guy's got since his trade to Hamilton in 28 games he's got 24 goals his point per game rate is only behind Connor Bedard Andrew Cristal and, and Zach Benson in the entire CHL he's outpacing Colby Barlow he's an absolute stud so far so I think he's definitely going to be a guy that's uh worth watching
0: all right uh, and finally where does Dvorak go 15. I'm going to cut,
1: cut the difference between 10 and 20 because okay. I think he's going to go at either of those spots. So I'll say 15 because some team like Montreal, who has two picks or something like it, that, is going to go. As of 315,
0: Montreal is slotted in the 15th spot right now. So look, Beautiful. At, you. look at you, Tony. Um, Tony, where can the people find you?
1: Uh, you can find all my work at thehockeynews.com. Uh, Check it all out there. I just posted an article about the fighting in the QMJHL being banned, so keep an eye on that. Good. to be a More story the rest of the year. follow.
0: We don't need 16-year-old I kids fighting each other. I completely agree,
1: because watching a 20-year-old beat the crap out of a 16-year-old kind of seems unfair. But uh, you can also follow my draft rankings there. I just did a draft ranking addendum where I went into a bunch of guys that just kind of changed in a big way since the draft, since the start my midseason ranking. Mitch, Mitch Cobb was in, in there. there. Yes, Lardis. There's a lot of guys in there. So definitely keep an eye out on that. And then I'm always doing a bunch of draft articles, uh, game tape with Tony all my interviews and stuff. So keep an eye out for all that
0: stuff too. Yes. Uh, I know you just had uh, Ryan Leonard on recently too for your draft. Yes. Those are really fun. So uh, Tony, thank you very much. And uh, make sure you guys follow the Tony Ferrari on Twitter and we'll catch you guys next time. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Tony about Dvorsky. Um, Dvorsky kind of feels one of those middle-of-the-round guys. If he slips to the Sharks, um, I think that would be a really, really nice pickup for them uh, at the end of the first round. But, again, I think he might be a little bit more teens uh, at this point right now. So, Again, wanting to try to fill fill in some pieces right now. We'll continue to kind of start digging into the back of the second, uh back of the first round, beginning the second round with our next uh few draft profiles. So make sure you guys are following along. Um, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Locked On Sharks. You can follow me on Twitter at uh my fry hole. Um, uh, thank you guys for making locked on sharks your first listen. Cover your team every day. Now go check out the game to game NHL show so that we get the latest on whatever's happening in the NHL from us, the locked on host. So um, go check out that. Listen to this podcast, Apple, Spotify, Amazon music, watch on YouTube as well. And until tomorrow, bye friends.